The sun is setting in Astoria. It's been a great day. I'm intentionally leaving a little dead air in the last episode because we haven't had any in the first several. Doing good. Tony Loud is killing it. He's staying real close to the microphone, just like we told him. <laughs> Bike girl, how's he doing? He seems to be doing pretty well. All right. Pretty well. We'll talk about it after, but so far, so good, so Tony. So far, so good. You we know, haven't really thrown anything I appreciate it. It's such a beautiful day here in Queens. Absolutely beautiful. 10th, I mean, av- 10th annual Welling Court Mural Festival put on every year by Garrison Buxton, the great Garrison. Great job this year, buddy. You uh, you weathered the storm of shrinking landscapes, gentrification, and artists. Lots and lots of artists came out this year, and good for you wrangling everybody and getting them painting some nice pieces. So we are here with our guest, Bike Girl. Please introduce this gentleman. Well, I'll introduce the artist side, even though I think he's a superhero for another reason, but... <laughs> We have Mark Evan with us, also known as Mark Maniac, also known as pretty much the collaborative duo partner of Chris Soria for how many years now? Shit, for, uh, we're. Oh, this is going to be a pumpkin conversation. Over over 25 years. 25 years, yeah. Our first mural we did together when we were 15 years old. Oh, that's dope. Um, And we're almost. What was the topic? What was the topic of that mural? Let's let's talk about that in detail, pretty please. First mural between yeah. you and Chris. We did a weightlifter yes. in the gym of our high school, and I mean it was big. It was like it was like a ripped like bodybuilding magazine type Hulk Hogan <laughs> dude in Nine the, pack, this like he just old like school dangerous collapsible wall in the gym in our high school, um, and it was big. It was uh, you know we were on like a scaffold doing it, so we got up probably. You know, 15 feet tall. You yeah, know, you guys like, are the coolest people in school. It. You guys are the coolest guys in school at that one. They actually, when we were in school, we, we went to high school together, and yeah. um, we met in middle school. We first started working on artwork together in middle school. Yeah. But when we, when we were in high school, we kind of had, you know, a better time than a lot of people did in high school because yeah. we figured out, even back then, like, how to hustle with our artwork. Yeah. And so we would do murals throughout the school, and teachers would kind of hook us up. Like, you know, we would trade artwork for like hall passes, that's and dope. late <laughs> passes. And so we got into a lot of shit and out of a lot of shit. And you have teachers who are encouraging you guys. You know, that's that's rare. Did you go to school in New York? We so I was born in Brooklyn, grew up in Brooklyn, Queens. Then we moved out to Long Island when I was in second grade. And so we were really fortunate. We went to Comac High School together. And it it was a school that had a couple art teachers that were just really passionate. And um, now did you weightlift at any time? Were you yeah, we did. We used time. to use that gym. We, used to, <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we looked like all the other meatheads in the gym. But it was. Uh, we were. We were trying. We were trying to get big. Hey, that's how you started off, man. That's it. That's awesome. So, tell us a little bit about, before we get into your collaborative collaborative work with Chris. Tell us a little bit about your style. Yeah. So, uh, my style is definitely evolved a lot over the years. I. I have always kind of fallen into this like visual landscape of, of like 
uh, this edge of psychedelia dreamscape type work where, um, you know, I don't know if you guys know the term pareidolia, but it's like it's the scientific term for seeing recognizable shapes in, in patterns. So when you see faces and animals and clouds... It's a pareidolia phenomenon, and I play with that a lot in my work. I see Jesus in my toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> that go. is pareidolia. And so my work, you know, I like creating a lot of random stuff, just stream of consciousness flow, and then seeing what that kind of starts manifesting into. And the process for me is always really fun and important because I so much happens throughout the process, and the piece changes so much from stage to stage that different characters will appear and then get painted over. And, like, mm-hmm. at some point, I got to start animating my work so you can actually see that process mm-hmm. unfold. Or augmented reality. There's so much with technology that's possible now. You know, it, it's really going to... It's it's opening up a lot of new realms. Um, Are you playing so, with the digital at all? I do, yeah. And I've been experimenting with a little bit of Procreate time-lapse kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. But my... So my work has that kind of stream of consciousness open to interpretation. Um, my work... I was working as... I was doing a lot of mural work for a while, but also doing a lot of kind of commercial illustration that was, for me, somewhat soulless. You know, I wasn't... It, I didn't pay the feel bills. Like, exactly. I was trying to make a buck, but I, I didn't feel like I had stuff with my... Enough with my stamp on it. Okay. And uh, I had, I had, I guess I was already setting the gears in motion to have a shift towards my own personal style and work, but um, I lost a child five years ago, and it was, uh, you know, life changing experience that's hard to hard to put into quick sound bites or anything, no. but um, it made me refocus everything because I stopped doing everything and to rebuild and to heal I was putting everything into my artwork and so my artwork definitely took a turn much more towards a spiritual healing type of approach for what I'm your star child doing yeah the star child was one of the first pieces after I lost my son and it was one of these stream of consciousness pieces that slowly kind of evolved into what it is now. And it's, it's my son with all of these things that he loved. Um, he was four months old when he passed. Uh, and so, you know, he kind of pops up in everything that I do. And I find little manifestations of him in my work. Things that he either, uh, that I associate with him or, you know, little... His face will be hidden in my work frequently. Well, you've also got almost like it's become a mantra between you and your friends that there's a certain number and date and time, and it always seems to be part of everything you do. Yeah, including what your daughter's birth. Yeah, so you know the story. It's uh, it's crazy. You know, we uh, we kind of fixated after Luke passed we fixated on this number he was with us for 113 days yeah. and 113 those numbers 113 um, it was this thing where like when we recognized that that was how many days we had with him we thought that, that was the most incredible number that we should celebrate and so a bunch of us uh, you know a few days after he passed went and got 113 tattoos and then the number just started repeating over and over and over. Um, you know, we realized that our local fire engine was 113. 
Uh, every time we looked at a clock or you know looked up, it seemed like a one thirteen was passing by. Right at that moment where we needed a little reminder that like the universe there's speaks, some magic, you know? yeah. And then when my daughter was born, I had been putting off starting this painting of my wife that was very uh, powerful of her pregnant, and it was this cosmic goddess painting of her pregnant with our daughter. And you know the whole process of even deciding if we were going to try again was. That's major but um, I had just started the underpainting my wife was like two weeks overdue and I painted a huge 113 into the underpainting and my wife comes out of the bathroom she says I think we're going into labor and I was like <laughs> alright let's do this and then that night my daughter was born at 1.13 no. in the morning it, you know it's just wow. like it just kept on and it, every day still you know yeah. five years later it, it's on the way here, I was like thinking about Luke, and then I look up, and the license plate in front of me, 113. It's just over and over. Um, and so there's 113s in this wall. There's 113s in everything. That's what makes me think that there's just something out of there's our control. That is, but speaking you know, whether... of your daughter, you had a little assistance this year <laughs> yeah, on the wall, yeah. didn't you? So it's been, you know, Lucy is my daughter, and she has been like this incredible light in our lives that has, um, you know, brought a lot of fun and magic back to us and she has been just like this overwhelming positive force in our lives and she loves making art with me and collaborating and when we came up with the idea for this mural the the piece really revolved around um you know we we set out an idea we always come up with like a general vague kind of theme that we then rein in and so this year we thought let's do something that is says something about the the ecology, the environment, the state of the world. And um, so, you know, with a little bit of back and forth, we said, let's have kind of one of my Earth spirit kind of figures. Uh, and she could be, you know, spreading love and kind of like squashing this toxic energy that's coming up. And so our boy Ian is working on this like mutated toxic representation okay and uh you're in new york like the ghostbusters feel type of toxic yeah yeah you know you know know, we like leaving a lot open to interpretation but the the wall itself we were thinking it represents the toxic energy the toxic emotion the pollution the you know all of that and so she's got the watering can and she's spreading this liquid love you know she's watering onto this toxic energy and turning it into little flowers and just bringing a little beauty and life back to absolutely to our world as she brought you yes yeah so life. you know it hits on different levels like there's the the layer for me you know knowing my backstory and then there's the layer that you get from the imagery and people are going to tell us their own interpretations i always love that yeah man well, thank you for allowing us man that's awesome man thank that's, you i can't it's man it's just beautiful story thank you so thank much. you but before we let you go, I want to talk pumpkins. All right, that's that's <laughs> my oh, other yeah, language. Yeah, this is where I find that he's a god among men. Right now, here. A lot of people pumpkins. don't know, and uh, you guys don't definitely do not do the best job of advertising your pumpkin skills throughout the rest of the year, because I only hear pumpkin stuff in like late September... October yeah. Halloween time, I get it's it. Seasonal. But yeah. you need a you need like an off season pumpkin PR person. Ooh. We do. 
We do. We're we're actually we could use someone who just uh, helps us with PR. A summer pumpkin pusher. If anyone wants to, yeah. If anyone Chris wants to be our Mark, pumpkin pusher, Chris and Mark are world class pumpkin carvers, and they get their work on if TV and shows every year. Did you not? I mean, uh, you did reasonably well on a little show called Halloween Wars, didn't you? Ooh. Yeah. So that you know that was one of the things that helped us jumpstart our company. We'd already been doing it for a few years when Food Network reached out to us, and back then. We had already formed the business. We already had a website, and I think the LLC was already going. But um, we were still, you know, a few years in the game. And Food Network reached out, and they wanted to put us on a new show called Halloween Wars. And it was a pumpkin competition. And, you know, we learned a lot about television making that show. But it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. Um, Chris was on it. I was on it. Multiple people who have worked with us have been on the show. But I, the season I was on, I actually won with my team. And exactly. It was, it was a blast. He's the champion. Yeah, it, it was cool. Now, is it just art, or do you do you it's, flip so, it and you make it like some food or drink or yeah, anything? Yeah, like? so it was a Food Network competition show revolving around Halloween, and it involved teams competing and each team had a pumpkin carver which i was the pumpkin carver yeah a cake decorator and a candy artist oh and you had to build these giant installations combining the elements oh and make them oh, scary yeah. and dope. you know have things That's balancing dope. it was cool but yeah we we got <laughs> into the pumpkins as a group and yeah yeah yeah, hot lights melting the sugar. <laughs> everything they stack everything against you because they want you to be under pressure and as stress. They, you know, a lot of reality television, it's not about getting your best workout. It's about getting exciting television. <laughs> and so it's not... I, You know, I like when we can put 16 hours into one pumpkin. Yeah. You know, we do these works of art in pumpkin, and we'll put 10 hours no problem in a pumpkin. I mean, in a painting, we put... 100 hours. And yeah. you had, what, so, 45 minutes for the average challenge? Yeah, the, the like, <laughs> the Plus big installations are three hours. Oh, so, yes. and, they're, and they're stopping you to put cameras in place. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah, pumpkins, you know, we, we have a blast with it. It was something that we were passionate about. We started doing pumpkins and Halloween stuff in high school. Okay. And always, it was always pumpkins? Did you carve any other we, fruit or vegetable? I used to like to sculpt, but... It, Pumpkins was really the okay. thing. And we would just, you know, we've always been competitive. So we would try and... I heard the pumpkin other. people got beef with the rutabaga sculpture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably. I well, can I mean, why. I am like... I, I mean, am rutabaga full is old world stuff. Yeah, I'm, exactly. I was about to say, I'm full of pumpkin trivia. And the original Irish roots of the tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns was turnips and rutabagas and different root vegetables. Oh. Well, and then in the New, new World, world it, right? they used the Native American pumpkins. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing doing a type of... Street art is ephemeral. You know, we know that these walls aren't going to last for more than a year and some a lot less. Pumpkins take ephemeral art to an extreme. They are, as soon as you're carving... It's rotting. It's yep. you know, it's perishable. It's it's fruit, and so trying to get it to hold detail and knowing that it's only going to last and look its best for three days, maybe four days, it's something that we take such pride in because we know that whoever sees it in person, they're seeing it in the moment and experiencing something that no one else is going to. You know, you could see photos and we document everything, but it's not like it's not seeing like yeah, and touching. Right. We're going to get deep. Let's do it. All right. How would you feel as an artist before the days of the photograph? 
where your work couldn't even be captured and shared. If you weren't there actually to witness it in those three days, you had to rely on someone telling you about it. I thought you were going to ask how would you feel in the days before the internet, but before the photograph is a whole other story. I mean, photographs photographs changed the world. You you now have a way of documenting family. You have a way of documenting art. You have a way of remembering the I'm past. I'm not asking what's cool about a photograph. I'm saying for you, for with me that specific, uh, uh, a perishable yeah. work of art. There aren't many it, works of art that are perishable. Well, you know what? I'm sure there. In, I'm sure there was probably a different element back then when you know things then had to be seen in the moment. You probably could have charged a, a big ticket price to come see this in the. It would have been a Coney Island sideshow <laughs> attraction. <laughs> sketch artists. Yeah. I mean, there were sketch artists because Repetage like old magazines and, and stuff. Yep. You do see, you know, your court reporting style. <laughs> now, how do we, uh, for someone that respects and reveres the pumpkin, how do we feel about pumpkin chunkin? You know, anything that anything that has people talking about pumpkin and spreading pumpkin love, I'm down with. Okay. So people ask us about the pumpkin chunkin. I, you know, it's not disrespecting pumpkin to smash it. Yeah. It's uh, for those who don't know, pumpkin chunkin. I think is in the Midwest some year, and they have they build these tremendous catapults, catapults, trebuchets, cannons, all it's sorts cool. of. I think it's pretty Medieval, cool. amazing launching devices to compete and see how far they can actually launch a pumpkin. And pumpkins have a way of acting like human heads when they explode, so there's that. Yeah, those things are not too. light. They're yeah. coming in full And they make nice thunking noises. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we do everything from jack-o'-lanterns, like what we did when we were kids. You know, we do jack-o'-lanterns for, like, big hotels for, you know, huge installations of jack-o'-lanterns. Traditional, yeah. Traditional. But then we do works of art and portraiture no, and, you know, you're, celebrity you're... stuff. And we do we do a pumpkin every year for the for the member's entrance of the Museum of Modern Art. You know, we, we donate to them, like, something that's in their collection that we translate into pumpkin. What's and your it's favorite just, one of those you've done? Because oh, I've shit. seen a few. Whatever the latest one I'm working on is yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Last year I did a Klimt, which uh, I loved. Maybe you know what? No, I'll I'll tell you, the favorite I think is probably Starry Night. It's yeah. so classic. It's, yeah, it's and I've actually I've carved that one four times probably. Um, we did it once for MoMA, and we've done it for other people since. But it's there's something about those like chunky oil paint swirls that trying to capture that through exposing the light that passes through the skin of the cool. pumpkin. Is it's it's awesome, you know? It's like it's really fun. See, it's weird because you're carving a starry night, but while you're carving, aren't you the star of a carvy night? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, you know what? Our technique is uh, our technique is a lot like painting with light. So yeah. we're actually creating a negative image when we carve, mm. and. That's yeah. I think that's why I don't know if my brain could ever. You you say you swear you can teach artists how to do this in one afternoon. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things you and Chris have said. Yeah, we've one of the other wonderful things about your pumpkin carving is that in September October you actually employ a lot of semi-starving artists that live in this area. Whoa, I, I, I assume they're even less starving when they're eating the pumpkin scraps. Yeah. Exactly, that's well, what I said. I mean, they're, they're we, helping the cause. Like, they're actually helping poor starving artists by giving them work. We and you swear you can teach anybody how to do it, and I don't... How do you teach someone to see in negative space? You know, we... 
when we bring artists into the crew, they're typically artists who we've had a relationship with in other art forms. So a lot of guys who we collaborate with on different types of illustration or street art, murals, you know, we know, we can see the qualities that are going to make them a great pumpkin carver. And so you know a lot of the superstar people who are definitely not starving, who have worked with us. It's, um, it's always fun. You know, we lose people every year because they get too big to, you know, some people oh, get too busy. Pumpkin, yeah. pumpkin carving goes to your head quick? No, oh, you know what? No. Well, oh, <laughs> damn. I didn't Not see even that. that. People, people who you just get know. too busy get with pumpkin head. You never know. You get pumpkin head and that's it. And that, <laughs> yeah, pumpkin. We, we work with world-class artists and they get, they get too busy with their own personal art. You know, it's... It's I mean, always a pleasure seeing guys who have worked with us for a number of years yeah, but go you, off and do MFA programs yeah. and go off and be well, you know I mean, commissioned to do murals in Europe. Jeff Enriquez exactly. for you. Yep. And yeah. he, he was too busy for us this year that <laughs> once you go pumpkin bastard. Yeah, he like <laughs> I love that guy so much. He uh, Yeah, we, we work with great people and you know I, I could list a lot of names and I would say every time I visit there's like this atmosphere everyone's having fun doing it yeah and while it's a challenge it's like it's nostalgic it's so nostalgic yeah, you know and pumpkin car you, you also I don't know how to put it into words but I think the people that work with you also realize that they're getting to work with the best of the best in the world honestly so this is something thank you I mean it's it's not just carving pumpkins I don't know if our audience truly understands that you guys really are some of the best pumpkin carvers in the world. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that people check out our work at Maniac Pumpkins on the social medias, and you know, the website is Maniac Pumpkins and Maniac NYC. But we um, we do take a lot of pride in our work, and we have very high quality controls. We work with a lot of big brands, and you know, they expect a lot of us, and so we expect a lot of our artists. But at the same time, we've created an atmosphere in our company. Uh, where we celebrate, you know, we celebrate great artists, and we we are working artists, and we want everyone to be having a fun and a creative environment. You know, Does your palate have to be strong for pumpkin? Do you have to have a strong palate for pumpkin <laughs> if you're a part? Of you that? don't need to eat pumpkin, although we do enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> you have a lot of guts left over. Do you? I mean, do you? What do you guys do? You could go into a side business with the seeds, right? Yeah, we've been we've been talking to people about some things for that. You know, that is on the horizon for us. The past year, there's some salted pumpkin seeds. You got to definitely send them. Definitely. We we have Come ideas on. for multiple flavors. Um, but last year, we actually we linked up with a community garden near our studio in Bushwick, and they were happy to take all of our composting of scraps. Course. And you know, he's hoping to have a pumpkin patch in the community garden next year. That'd be lovely. So we'll see what happens. But it was great to be able to at least put that waste to use Absolutely. in a positive manner. Absolutely. Well, before we let you go, please give our listeners. Uh, let them know where they can reach out to you online, view your work. I know you already uh, plugged Maniac Pumpkins. Wonderful. But throw your own sites out there, please. Yeah, please check out more of my work. It's uh, Mark Maniac on Instagram, markevan.com. It's M-A-R-C-E-V-A-N. And, uh, yeah, you'll you know probably see me on the streets painting more this summer. And, uh, yeah, please come say hi. Come... You know, ask whatever questions. I'm I'm always happy to chat. Oh, wonderful! Just one thing before we let him go. Um, just another little plug, little plug. Um, your daughter Lucy. 
also has a side <laughs> career, and people might be interested in seeing that also. Yeah, my daughter, she you know she loves to make art with us, but she's also a budding little chef at four years old. She started cooking me with, with me when she was 18 months old, and so we, uh, we've been making cooking videos that we post up at uh, 113 every day on Instagram. And that's where her uh, her cooking channel is is appearing at the moment. Nice. Soon, soon to come to Just YouTube. Just put that Hopefully Netflix. We're talking to some people. You know, you Network. already have connections awesome. in Food Network. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's one thing I could leave off with, I just you know, a major thing for me is that I hope that seeing what I do and the things that I've overcome, that it encourages other people to be inspired to try. You know, finding their own healing through the arts. You know, whether it's visual arts, music, dance, it's uh, it's the best form of therapy I've found. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there hurting and, and need to need to do something. And, and expressing yourself and getting your message out there is a great way to do it. You heard it here first. We are sold out. 